0: G'day guys, and welcome to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. I don't have many guests and probably this is our biggest guest so far. So I'm very excited. And today's guest is Hattie Boydell. Welcome, Hattie.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm so, uh, so grateful to be here.
0: So I've been kind of hassling Hattie about coming <laughs> onto to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast every time I see her um, out at night when we're hanging out, <laughs> like... And yeah, we've, we finally got it and um, I'm not the best with kind of DMs and getting back to people. So Hattie's probably like, oh my God, I'm giving this guy so many chances, but I appreciate you being here.
1: It's funny. Uh, you asked me and then I chased you up. <laughs> yeah.
0: So that's where I appreciate Hattie because she even, what was it, the other weekend we went out um, after the WFF, and Hattie was the one that messaged me the day after to be like, are we doing this? So.
1: Let's go.
0: Good person. I appreciate it. Um, So I guess I'll, before I'll kind of let Hattie kind of do her little intro, I will I like to kind of give my own personal kind of intro kind of from kind of my perspective. So Hattie is, you know, one of the probably the biggest fitness people in Australia and has been for a long time. And obviously she's hugely successful in a number of ways. And, you know, for a coach like myself, I remember Lauren, obviously my partner kind of came on the scene, but it was always like Lauren and Hattie, these two girls who were just women, just crushing it in the gym, lifting insane weights. And, you know, with Hattie, for me as a coach, you know, I've always looked up to someone like her because she was, had the body, had the looks, but also had the, you know, the great mind, the knowledge, and obviously then did awesome things with results and stuff. And I love results. Unfortunately, I don't have the, I don't have the looks, but I've, I I go right with the results, but Hattie, you know, I think
1: the brains take you further than the looks, Mark. So you're not uh, doing too badly.
0: (laughs) So, but yeah, so Hattie for me has always been someone you know I've really looked up to, and so that's why I'm super excited to have her on the podcast. And I always say to Lauren, I want to get Hattie on, and I'm always too much of a pussy to you know (laughs) message her, but we're finally here. So, Hattie, do you want to give everyone, I guess, a little bit of a rundown, um, kind of just about yourself? I'm sure everyone will know who you are, and yeah.
1: But, um my name's Hattie. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm really bad at intros. They're the worst, aren't
0: they? It's like, the... Tell us about yourself.
1: Tell us about yourself. Uh, look, I've been in the industry for 17 years, which is something that blows a lot of people's mind away. Um, you know, I actually put up the other day on my story. I've been competing for 13 years. And social media does this thing that it only shows people where we are now, not where we were. So I started being a personal trainer when I was 18 years old, literally two days after I turned 18, I started working in fitness first and I was a face-to-face personal trainer for eight years before moving into online. And there was a period there actually where I, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a gym to work in. I had a couple of kettlebells and I got like a nanny trolley and I would wake up at 4am in the morning, catch the bus, go to the observatory hill, train my best friends and call them the sports Bottle project. Like this is like so many years ago. Before I had, you know, a, 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 an online business and it's really, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, that there's a saying that takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I'm like, oh, I'm still not even there yet. and It's been 17 years. Well, in my eyes, I'm not, I can't quite reach the pinnacle where I want to go, but I'm, I'm on the way there. And the reason I'm sharing that piece is. For a lot of the people here, I'm sure there's a lot of personal trainers that might be starting in the industry for the first time, and you're looking at the people that, you know, Mark, who you're probably inspired by. It's like, he, ha, Mark, how long have you been in this industry for? Like, close to 10 years, if not more.
0: Uh, almost as much as you, I think. Mm. Yeah, close, close to that. So I think I was, I took a little bit longer to out out of school, but it was basically the first thing I was I was busy working at Rebel Sport after school for the first year or so, but then that, then I got to actually becoming a PT and I, I don't know if you remember the other night we had a few drinks mm. so when I, I said this to you um that I remember seeing Hattie at at Observatory Hill at the park yeah. so this was a park in the city in Sydney yeah. And, and just, yeah and you know whatever kind of training you think we do now kind of clients just think like the most kind of opposite kind of you know park fitness and I, I vividly remember Hattie Um, training people there in the park Um, obviously I didn't talk to her because you know girls are terrifying Um, (laughs) but I remember Hattie so like everything you know like we literally go back to kind of the same kind of starting point which is really cool when you think about it
1: it's really cool when you think about it and the reason I share that is because you know it's it's taken us this long to build what we have and I think actually a lot of people who are listening to this podcast you have an opportunity to probably go where we are faster because of social media um, you know, I actually didn't even finish school, mark. i was I was the only one out of my out of my brother and sister that didn't finish school, and I was the only one that wanted to go to uni. But I'm actually the only kid in my family that has had a job, the same career since I was eighteen. Like I actually couldn't imagine doing anything else. And the longer that you do it, the longer that you're in this industry, the better it gets because you you learn so much more. You have so many more skill sets. you work with so many more people. You develop your own systems. you, you know you you find your own your own pattern and you become I think you know open to learning from others like success leaves clues right so you look to people that you see as success and you ask yourself what they're doing um and I couldn't actually honestly imagine doing anything else than what I do now which is helping women you know from all around the world and and whatever transformation is to them is the the journey that we go go down it's not just competitors it's Women that, you know, my biggest my biggest thing is women that want to improve their relationship with themselves because I had to do that. Like I had to improve my relationship with myself and it wasn't until I improved my relationship with myself that life changed, that I was actually able to be successful or acknowledge success or, um, you know, become process-driven or look at daily habits as things like self-care and self-love. You know, we always say that discipline is the highest form of self-love and that that is true, um, even though discipline can often feel at times like kind of, you know, too firm, but it is. It's doing the things that we said we would do, even when it's hard. Um, you know, so I'm I'm grateful for the journey that I've kind of been down. And for those of you who don't know, I, you know, I had a pretty tough journey in the beginning. I suffered from anorexia, um, but I actually look at that time and I'm like, I don't think I would have the same love and appreciation for my body, and I certainly wouldn't have had the same um, intensity in my mindset without learning how powerful the mindset was because of the anorexia. You know, I was like, "Oh my God! If I if I had the same intent or the same power or the same um, put the same focus and time into business or some other area of my life, God, I'd be powerful." And that kind of took me down that trajectory of mindset. Everything is about mindset; the body just follows.
0: I love that. Definitely makes makes a whole lot of sense. I know I've I've known a a quite a quite a bit. Of, I think about your kind of backstory with the anorexia, you know, mm. a thing I've seen in the past, you know, your photos from then to um, stage and you see all the muscle you've put on and all the things you've kind of developed, which is, you know, pretty epic, but that's one of the things I actually want to go back to one of the things you said before about just being a PT and kind of how potentially it's easier to kind of get known these days and established. And I think that can be a good thing, but can also be a bad thing in the way that, like I, I often kind of think that these days, a lot of personal trainers are kind of in it for the wrong reason, or they get big and they blow up because of their social media. But have they got that ma- much experience? And mm. even though it wasn't glamorous, and you know, definitely yeah. didn't make much money and stuff like that, but doing those years of kind of working in a park and working with clients and just just the skills of just talking to people, you know, like working one-on-one with people is so Mm. different to online. And I often look back and be like, well, everything I am now is probably due to a lot of those things. And it made me, yeah, I wasn't a great coach, but it made me want to learn more and get better. And by not really having that, like, you know, these days, everyone's like, be a million dollar trainer and all that shit. It's just like, well, A, if your goal is to, you're in the wrong industry, you're trying to get rich being a PT. Yeah, you can do well some people, but it's not really Mm -hmm. why you want to become a PT really you want to work with people but I just feel like these days like I think too many coaches try to take those big steps forward too quickly without just going let's work in the trenches and get that experience so for you like you've obviously gone from you know that park fitness to leveling up your own physique and your own knowledge and stuff like that so what was the kind of steps that made you go hey I want to learn more. I want to kind of be better at what I do um, and be great at, you know, being a personal trainer. Cause obviously I think that probably then a lot of that knowledge then translated over to your yourself with your own training. Right.
1: Mark, I will never forget the first day of my first, of my job as a PT. And I was really lucky cause I was, I worked in the first ever black label club and fitness first for fitness first. So that was like, it was like a, a goal. George street fitness first. It was the first of a black label. So black label is where literally like all the CEOs would come in, they get their dry cleaning done. They don't have to bring a a bag in. Everything's done for them. And I remember walking in and starting to work with these bodies, these really unconditioned, unconditioned deconditioned bodies. And I was almost like, this isn't the textbook physique I saw that I was learning at my course. Like I remember being like, I actually don't know anything, (laughs) And I was really lucky at that time that one, I was the weakest link in the group, right? I actually All the trainers around me, they were really competitive in the way that they wanted us to be the best team. And they're like, oh, this weak link over here, let's upskill her. So a lot of the coaches would come and upskill me so that I could be a better PT. And they did that because they wanted me to, you know, to be able to be as good as them. I also um, hired a mentor in my first, ever year of of coaching and I didn't have the money to pay him. So I put a deposit down and then I paid him in installments over the year as I got money. Right. His name was Brendan Harris, you know, and 17 years later he works for me, which is interesting. There you go. Really cool. (laughs) So my first ever mentor ended up working for me years, years later, because he didn't know how to do online. Right. He, he was amazing one-on-one incredible. And so he taught me, you know, programming, he taught me sales, right. Um, he taught me um, just like technique, behavioral stuff. Like he really, he really did help me in that time in my life. And then of course, um, years later, I seeked out mentors like Tony Bataji and and, and Bass from um, Australian strength coach who have been mentors of mine for over 10 years now. And it's interesting, like I'm a coach and I'm an athlete and I would never, ever not have a coach or a mentor. Like There's every single great athlete in the world has a coach. Every single great coach in the world has a mentor. Like there's so much for us to learn. And it was, and it's interesting. Like when I was younger, I had so much ego that I was like, well, if I'm going to do a competition, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to show everyone I can do it myself. And I got it done, but I did it in the most amateur way. Like it was so, and I mean, at that time we didn't, we didn't have the exposure and the knowledge that we have now. Like I look at um, people starting in the industry, and thinking, oh my God, you guys are so lucky. You have so much incredible education at your fingertips. There are so many amazing courses. You almost can't, it's like, which one do you do? Because there's so many great ones. And, you know, you do them all. You do them all because you should always continue to upskill. And you take you take little pieces and you create your own system, right? And it wasn't till I kind of let go of, you know, a, a part of my ego thinking I have to do it all that I, you know, I seek coaches, you know, for the comp- uh, competition standpoint, but I've always had mentors, like literally from the first day that I walked into that gym and I realized I know nothing was like one of the greatest gifts that I could give myself. And then I learned, you know, obviously how to do things a lot better. And, you know, I was 18 years old and I was doing like 52 sessions a week. I was making so much money at that time. Um, and it was never about money. Actually, it was actually just like, how many people can I help? And it's always been that way. How many people can I help? Um, and then of course, like, like I said, the longer you do it, the better your craft gets if you upskill. Cause one of the, like something that you just named before is that, that one-to-one, like what people can do now is they can do it, go and do an online course. And then they go and be an online trainer. I'm like, you haven't seen people move. You, you don't know how to problem solve yet. Like the, the greatest thing that one face-to-face training gives you is skill development with people skills. And movement development, watching people move and problem solving in real time, right? There's a difference between a coach and a trainer in my eyes. A trainer counts reps. A coach coaches someone on how to do things better. Yeah. Right? So are you a PT or a coach, right? Because coaches are meant to educate and teach and learn. Um, whereas a personal trainer in my eyes, when I watch them on the gym floor, it's horrendous. Like You know,
0: um, just on the aspect of learning as well I've got I've got a a kind of a few kind of theories and stuff like Mm. like these days like so many personal trainers don't realize like just for free like online like the amount of good content great coaches post like remember you had to spend thousands to do a course you know even like um you know Poliquin back in the day and stuff like that now you can get that anywhere or even like you know, mm. take Australian strength coach, Sebastian Ora was like, you know, one of the, the best guy in the world on like, say, queuing the squat and deadlift. Like I remember mm. I did his course, I can't remember if you were there about five years ago or so in person, but I mean, now, now he'll just post that, you know, for free on social media, like the amount of like stuff at your fingertips to be good at what you do. But the thing is, right, like these days for you, you, you know, you said you are kind of doing those 50 sessions a week. I was kind of. I always kind of say, like, I was, I was crap at what I did for years until I started learning and then then applied. Hmm. But it's good to learn and read and, you know, do, do these courses. But I think the best thing, though, is then to actually have clients to actually then go put that information in place. And you say, oh, wait, like, that sounded great. And then I did it. And then it sucked. It didn't really work. Or that didn't really work. And even, like, you know, advanced programming in a busy hmm. commercial gym, you know, yeah. and, like you have to, like, learn this stuff. But then I think by actually training people you then can kind of filter out well I want to take this from them and this from them and kind of also then find out your your own identity
1: totally and it's like creating your own system and I think again as you just named if there's everything you can get everything for free on the internet but does that make people do more it's all about application or it's all about digestible information that allows application right because I've done courses and I've sat there and I'm like Am I dumb? Like I, I, I'm like this person talking at me. <laughs> like I have got nothing from this. Like I can't even apply that because you haven't broken it down for me to understand. I always say like I have to learn. I, I'm a simple learner. I'm not like I. I literally have to listen to podcasts two or three times to comb through because you never listen to the same thing once or twice reading. I take notes. I have to read it over and over and over again. I read the same, I've read the same book so many times. I've done so many courses multiple times because again, you never hear the same thing twice. And I call myself a slow learner, but I, I know how I learn like, and, and that means that if I can learn it and I can apply it, I'm, I understand it. If you, there's, you know, we, we can, anyone can regurgitate information. We, we see that all the time on the internet. But do they understand it? Because if they don't understand it, they're not going to apply it. So therefore, what's the point of regurgitating it? You know, and, and I think there are some really, really great coaches. And and like you said, like Bass simplifies it. There's so many. Tony Bataji simplifies it. There's so many great courses. Your brother simplifies it. Like you simplify it. If you can simplify it, if you can explain it to a six-year-old child, you understand it. And actually, that should be a part of your learning as a coach. It's like, okay, this information that I'm absorbing or I'm I'm listening to, can I, can I um describe it to a six-year-old? Because if I if you can, you understand it. And I think that's a really great tool to use because I think sometimes we think we always have to know more and more and more. But if you're doing all these courses and you're not applying it, you haven't learned anything. So like think- do one course and apply it and then, you know, work around that.
0: Do you ever feel though that these days? in the battle of kind of personal trainers trying to you know sound the smartest and be above each other on social media their content just gets more advanced more advanced and then the very people they're trying to help it just goes over their there I, like, I don't understand this this mechanical tension and you know all these advanced moving term terminologies and stuff like that and then i feel like it's a competition of like look how smart i am but then the people who you actually need your help they don't really care you know they're just trying to look feel better look better and stuff like that so that that's my kind of funny thing and in the the quest of, you know, there is so much great content out there and education mm. out there as well. There's just like an abundance. But then mm. that's why it's also important to be like, Nick, like, who am I? So, because you can do one course one week and then another course, which completely dismisses, you know, I, I've read a lot of business books in the last couple of years. And it's like, well, one way is that. And then the other way. And then in the end, you're just like para, paralysis by analysis or whatever it's pa- called paralysis do by anything. analysis.
1: But I always um, think, you know, that, you know, that um say, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Well, that's true. Like everything works till it doesn't work. And and I think like context is everything. So the reason there's so many things at work is because we're dealing with a human being who has behavioral patterns, who has a relationship around food and a relationship around, you know, and rules and behaviors that are going to rule essentially what they do. Right. So And again, like you and I know that weight training is the hierarchy of fat loss, but most people think cardio. And if they want to do cardio and it's going to help them lose weight, well, then fuck me, let them do some cardio. (laughs) Like, like even though you and I know what's optimal, if they don't want to do it, then it's not optimal for them. It's optimal for the person that's going to do it. And I think that's why it's actually so great to learn from so many people because you can't give everyone the same thing. You have to go, okay, well, what are you willing to, what are you willing to do? Training morale what keeps longevity in the gym training morale what drives effort training morale doing what you love right whether it's a squat or a fucking not a squat like you know what's what's the best way to build your quads well the exercise that you're going to go and apply effort to because there's like lots of them you know it's that that thing what's the best well the one that you're going to do with a lot of effort consistently over time
0: <laughs> yeah i yeah i like to post a, you know a lot about like technique and stuff you know and then in one side it's like oh this is great technique but then the other side you also think well often the biggest people in the gym are not necessarily the ones the best they just lift really really heavy high effort like and consistency and do it over and over and over again and yeah it might not be flawless but then you get those Mm -hmm. other people who just worry about the most perfect tempo execution and you know four reps drive failure they feel a little bit burned like no that's enough well
1: that's and that's again it's like such a teaching effort is such a hard thing and i think teaching effort comes down to confidence and competence right so yes you need technique but you also need to train and i'm i'm huge on technique but when you're when you're getting to those like that top 1% of your your max strength there's going to be deviations in strength in, in technique now do you practice the submaximal loads with shitty technique ideally you don't you practice it with good technique but you're going to know that there's going to be some deviations as you get closer to those, those new strength gains that you haven't explored or those new rep ranges or those that new loads that you haven't explored as much. And then as you go to revisit them months later, you hope that your deadlift technique or your squat technique looks so much better as you've worked at those higher ratios later on. So it's, cause it's a funny thing with females. It's like, oh, but it's like, you know, you're seeing them perfect, perfect technique, but they're way, they're shooting way under their, you know, the effort that they need. But that to me comes down to a confidence thing. And yeah, um confidence is something we build over time.
0: But then it's funny on social media, then you see someone, you know, do a, a one rep max or something and then it's not absolutely perfect, and they're like shit form. It's like you didn't go, you know, like your hip shot up, and it's like all these hateful comments from these like guys who like probably squat like 70 kilos and then someone I
1: know
0: and it's like ah, oh, you're just a hater, you can't do any right. Um <laughs> some, something um I really wanted to chat to you about is Hattie obviously just competed, I think, two weekends ago and won the Australian um, WBFF fitness title mm. and looked amazing, of course. And you know, you had all more muscle mass than the other girls, or well, they all had great muscle mass, but obviously you had fantastic muscle mass, and that's kind of what you're known for. Um, known for. Mm. But you kind of mentioned obviously earlier about kind of your background of being anorexic. So how do you go or transition? You know, from literally. Being anorexic, and I'm not sure what your weight was then. A bit to you know, recently competing and being not just you know a bikini um competitor, but a fitness competitor, so much more muscle mass than say like a, a Lauren or something. But then people see you know you shredded on stage, but you're not like that year. Well, okay, you're you're pretty conditioned year round, but you know what I mean. You're all, you're still doing long term build phase. Like, what is that mindset shift like and I'm sure obviously it hasn't happened overnight but like how how do you want to give us a little bit of a background on you know from where you were to kind of get to the place you're yeah. in now
1: honestly the catalyst for change was so when I was anorexic I had to go to hospital I was 28 kilos so I'm literally half of what I am now and when I was, was in this? a hospital this was uh 2007
0: just after you finished school was it Kind of well,
1: I didn't finish school because I was sick. Got so it. I was in year, year 11. And um, I just remember being in this hospital and I remember looking around at the other girls and I was like, I can't live like this. I was just like, people are telling me what to do. Mark, I hate being told what to do unless I've asked for help. <laughs> so I was like, they're telling me what I could eat, what I could do. I couldn't see my family. I was just like. And I just looked around and I was like, oh my God, I'm not the only one suffering. And that was like my catalyst to be like, okay, what do you, what, what's wrong in the world right now? Like what, how did we get here? And I kind of went down this journey of like self-discovery in that moment. I was like, all right, what do I need to do to get out of here? And I was like, oh fuck, I've got to put some weight on. And it was that moment that I said, you know, like my mindset nearly killed me. That's pretty powerful. If I, if I changed my mindset into something powerful, I'm going to be pretty successful. That was like this shift that I had. I was like, okay, what do I want to be successful at? And it, and it was like, I want to help women. And then I eventually got out of hospital and, um, you know, I said to my parents, mom and dad, I want to be a personal trainer. And I, um, they put me into uh, a PT course and I paid them back the money. And that's how I, I got into personal training and it, but it was the mindset, like, I recognized that there was a few issues that I had with myself and it was one, my relationship with myself was really unhealthy and my relationship with my habits was really unhealthy. So I I realized like, okay, how do I, how do I start to like myself? And it was a really, that was a really tough journey to go on because for most of my life I was bullied. So I essentially just became the bully to myself. Nothing was ever good enough. I was never good enough. So therefore, and I started to like punish myself with food or like I never rewarded myself with food, but I definitely punished myself. With food. Um, but that was like, there was like this really big moment of like, hold on. Your, your mindset's really powerful. What if you shift it into something that's positive? That's great. That's going to do something with your life. Cause I can't live like this. And something that I always talk about is what is the cost Right. And there was a cost to being in there. It was like, I'm not living life and you only get one chance. So I really had this like big transitional moment in hospital. And I don't know if I would have been there without it. And then it wasn't really till I started lifting heavy. Like till I started working with Sebastian Obe, that again, I had this really big shift in my paradigm of like, oh my God, this, this vessel, holy shit. You could train it to do anything. Like, look what I'm doing. I'm lifting double my body weight. Like, what the hell is this? And I started to, you know, work with Lane Norton and, he, and you know, he did the flexible dieting thing because before before that I was doing like clean eating, right? And fasting and paleo, every, every diet I've pretty much done. And I was like, it was on, off, on, off. And I was like, okay, I'd get results and then I wouldn't. Then I would binge, then I would. Like, it's like, it was this emotional coaster. and I'm like, I don't want to live, I can't live like this anymore. So a thing that always like changed in my mindset is like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. It gets the pain or the tax of it becomes so great that part of me goes, I can't do this anymore. And I, and I drive change, but I, I almost have to take myself to like the lowest of lows before I, before I try Feel Um I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> honestly, what, strength training, strength training changed my life. I sat to battle all the time. I'm like, you, you changed my life because it became, it wasn't about the way I looked. It was about how I performed. Right. It was like, how do I outperform myself every single day? And it wasn't driving calories and it wasn't out, running myself. It was purely about coming in and focusing, working on a technique and then trying to be a little bit better than what I was the week before. And it completely changed my, you know, how I looked at my body again in a way that it was like, fuck, this thing's powerful. And then that, that transformed my body with competing because I started to use strength as the foundation of my, my training for fitness shows, you know, and Lauren was the same. Like we were known as like the strongest fitness girls, bikini champion and fitness champion. Like we're lifting like two and a half times our body weight. That's like unheard of if you're not, unless you're a powerlifter. And it was the strength training for me. And then looking at food as fuel versus like good, bad, clean, dirty. So I changed my language uh, around food and I started to invite it in. I was like, cool. How do I, what do I have to eat to be able to be better? How do I, how do I have to eat to build my body? And something that I'm so upset about Mark is like, you know, I've always got these start and ends. I never have the the middle pieces because for most of my career, I was so kind of ashamed of the middle piece. Like my body has done so many, has been so many shapes and sizes. And I so wish I had all the little, all my earlier bodies of like, there wasn't really much shape there. It's kind of like, you know, dough put somewhere. And then eventually it kind of start to started to structure out, you know, and I started to create this physique. And so this is what I say on social media all the time. I'm like, this has taken me 17 years, like literally nearly two decades. I'm 34. I'm actually, my, my physique is in its prime at 34, not when I was 25 because I did it naturally, one. But also I got better at my, like I could apply application. I could take knowledge and information and I could put it in application and I could do it with intensity and effort over and over and over again, right? That's what it was. It's like, it literally is skill mastery. And I think when we can take ourselves and go, how do I be the best version of myself? Like, what does that look like? Who is she or he? What does that feel like? And you can put into action. That's how you grow into being the best version of yourself. When we talk about being the best version of ourselves, but we don't have clarity on it. How the fuck do you know what you're doing? You don't, it's too, you're going to get too distracted because we don't just suddenly be the best version of ourselves. We become it by practicing it every single day. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect. But I've I've, pract- I've practiced I practice every single day
0: of You it. um in regards to kind of becoming the kind of best person and strength training, being a large catalyst, did you get into it though, kind of thinking like obviously a lot of like I'm I'm a big believer, you know, obviously we, we often have plans. We think, oh, this is gonna change our life, and then you go do something and it's like, well, oh, that didn't really, you know, that <laughs> that didn't really hit the spot. Oh. That wasn't as good. But then by kind of doing something positive often something like to the side of it then leads Mm. to being like, oh, wow. Like, so regards to kind of like strength training and stuff like that. I'm just curious for you, like, was that the thing like, oh man, I want to do this or was it just a, hey, I just want to learn how to squat and deadlift a bit better. And then all of a sudden you did it like, oh, wow, this is enjoyable. And now i you know, I found something I'm passionate about.
1: I've always been really competitive. So I was a gymnast for nine years before I started strength training or weight training um, and I actually did this charity event. This is actually, I did this charity event and there was a squat bench and deadlift charity. And I remember doing the deadlift and I, unfortunately I went first cause then the girl beat me. And then I did like a bench press. You no, know, it was, it was bench press and it was deadlift. And I did it for this charity event. And I remember being so fiercely competitive about it. And Bass was there. And I remember seeing Felicia and, and Dinny squatting and deadlifting all these weights. And I was like, I noticed the feeling that I had for myself when I was deadlifting and benching and the competitive drive. And I noticed when I watched them, I was like, I kind of want to do what they're doing. And I didn't know how it was going to feel. I didn't, I actually didn't have like a expectation of it. In fact, the first session that I did with Bass, I hated it because I had to sit down for five minutes. I did five, five squats and then sat down for five minutes. And I was like, I'm paying, I'm paying you 140 bucks and you're sitting me down for fucking 25 minutes, like out of the five by five, like, and you know, and I remember being like, I'm never doing this again. I didn't tell him, I didn't say that till la- I didn't tell him that till later, but I was like, when he said to me, okay, I'll see you on Friday. in My head, I was like, I was like, uh-huh. and then I was like, I didn't think I was coming back, but I did. And then I came back again. I remember saying to him, I'm only going to squat once a week. Cause I don't want my legs to get bigger. I swear to you, like within 12 weeks later, I'm squatting freaking three times a week or something. Like it was so funny. I had so many rules against this thing. Um, and it wasn't until I started to do it consistently that I was like, holy shit, I'm putting more and more weight on the bar, but this feels easy. And it and and I loved it because, like I said, I didn't come in looking at my body and being like, oh, I'm building this. It was like, what's the weight that we've got to lift today? Okay, cool. Let's tune in. Let's and you know, a big shout out to Bass for that because he set the tone of how I was meant to show up in those sessions, you know, he he actually set the tone. It was so much like gymnastics where it was like skill development and you sit down here and you're off your phone and we're doing this now concentrate, now switch on and then take me through the technique that it was like, this was a training session. This was personal training, you know, and and that improved the way I personal trained as well. But I learned so much from that and I just gained so much like confidence you know, by practicing something, by working on something, right? Everything had purpose. It had intent, had skill development, and I was getting stronger. I was lifting these numbers that, you know, 60 kilos, and I'm lifting 80, 85, 90, 95, 100. The first time you hit 100 kilos, like, I've got that squat. It's awful. But who fucking, like, we're talking about technique. It's like, who cares? You hit 100 kilos. Like, whoa, get it, you know? And it's like, and then, you know, weeks later, what you go and revisit, or months later, you go and revisit 100 kilos. It doesn't look like that again. So it really did, like, I'm such a big fan as you are, Mark, of like strength training for women, not just for building strength and confidence, but for, for building your bodies. Because if you do it with enough intensity, enough volume, you're going to, like, I swear, strength training built my body. I did all, like so many of my preps, purely strength training.
0: I was just um, thinking there, obviously, like, my goal is not to train necessarily women to, say, compete in powerlifting. And my thing has always kind of been the background of trying to, you know, Charles Polk and clean health of Dane and stuff like that. And Sebastian Orub and stuff like that is using strength as a, a vessel to help with hypertrophy adaptations. And mm. I always kind of had the thing as, you know, if you can squat hundred kilos for five, but then a year later you can squat 120 for five, you're probably going to be bigger, mm. leaner, etc. Mm. Um But just kind of going back to the whole kind of using, seeing food as fuel, I've always personally thought that when people really like and again my specialty is kind of body composition but I always just thought helping people with kind of seeing food as fuel is often harder when it's just purely looking better it's just like mm-hmm. I want to be bigger or leaner and then because like the mirror is always kind of the validator mm-hmm. um you know but the thing I've always found kind of working long pe- people long term especially like post-com and those post comp blues is kind of when they're not getting the mirrors, their validation, but each session they go and, you know, they, if they're not, you're not making the session up, you know, Hey, last week I hit 105 on my high bar squat. This week I want to mm-hmm. hit 110. You go to the gym with like a purpose, like a load intent, what you're trying to hit. And yeah, you might not get the same kind of that short-term validation from the mirror and being lean or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I truly believe, well, I, I I think like just having those, that strength accountability, again, it's not, not about doing a one rep max necessarily, but it can be, you know, a lateral raise, but actually having strength goals on everything you're doing and just mm. aiming to be a little bit better. That's where I really truly believe that clients then start to be like, Oh, okay. Now I, I want to f- fuel my body. I want to be stronger. Mm. How do, how can I optimize getting the gym to mm. lift heavier at a higher level? So I know I, I've always just kind of been a big believer that from a longevity standpoint, like having that kind of, Performance goals in the gym even for body composition clients also kind of has like a, a nice synergistic kind of feel with a better relationship with food as well
1: so do you like winning mark
0: i'd like to think so i don't do it all i don't do it all the time but i'd like to
1: i love winning and something that has helped myself and a lot of my clients win in the gym is is what you're saying Every you can have you can have goals on every single on every single exercise, at every single rep range. Like actually, you can create personal best every single week if you want, right? And I think a lot of people think, oh, strength is just five by five or squat. best. it's it's strength is everything, right? Strength of your of your shoulders, strength of your chest, strength of your glutes. Like you can create wins absolutely everywhere, but you have to set the 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 ground for rules for what the wins are. You know, so is it extra reps at a certain weight? Well, that's a win. Like that's that's a personal best. Say you used to do 100 kilos for five reps, now you're doing it for 10. And actually, this is what I used to do with my goals. Um, Mark is like I'd hit 100 for one, and I'd go, I want to get that for five. It wasn't always a load goal. Actually, I was driven by volume. And so, and then, so let's say you know I do five five sets of one at 100 kilos. Well, I'd be like, well, I going to do five by five at 100 kilos. I remember I hit 120 for a single and I said to myself, I want to get that for five by five. Once I hit it for five by five, I said to Bass, I want that for tens. I want to hit, I want to be able to do double body weight for 10 reps, 120 kilos. And that like, I remember getting that for the first time. I got a single, uh, I I hit one set of 10 at 120 and that killed me. And then two years later, I was doing sets of that. So I remember doing, well, step one, I hit 120 for 10 reps. Set two was like nine and set three was eight. Like I couldn't get three sets of 10 out, but I was, it was so, that was, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. The hardest thing, but that's what I do. It's like, okay, you can, you can win at anything that you, anything that you want, but you have to know what the game is. Right? So a game I play with myself in training is show me how hard you can work. If, if I was standing behind myself, watching myself, like an out of body experience experience. How would I show off to me? How would I show myself how hard I can work? We have to find little games for ourselves, a little mindset things that that help push us to the person that we say we want to be, right? that agency to act on what we said we would do. And that's always helped me when it comes to, you know training and even on days that feel hard, I always say to myself, okay, let's just okay, let's just ease into it. Let's just do. I have like a calming voice. It's like, let's just warm up. take a little bit of time. Let's just see how it feels. And then 99% of the time I reach what I got to do. Yes, it might feel harder than normal, but I didn't let myself go. Yeah, today feels hard. So I'm not going to do it. I kind of tuned in a little bit more. I gave myself like a different way of how do I get the most out of myself? And that's, you're going to be the same in ways. Like how do you get the most out of yourself for business? The things that make you tick, you have definitely found ways that make you be more successful. Because you're driven by success and you're driven by being better than what you are. And you might, yeah. it might not be training, but it might be a different area in your life.
0: So the question I have then is, you know, if you get that day where you got that kind of in mean voice and saying, "I like, don't do this sessions a waste or whatever, and you're driving to the gym, like, what do you kind of do? Like, for you to kind of get through that initial? Because I think we kind of know, like, if we can just kind of get that warm up done, get something mm. done. You're like, oh, all right, I'm here now and stuff like that. Is there anything you kind of say to yourself that you found that has been more helpful to kind of get you out of the car, into the gym and to doing that first set?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, okay, I just kind of notice, like, the thoughts that I'm having. And I always say, like, we don't have to listen to every thought that we have because if we did, we'd probably end up in a lot of trouble. So I just noticed, okay, I don't, okay. All right. I hear you don't feel like going to the gym today. You don't feel that great. Whatever it is, that's going on. And I just, it's almost like I kind of, I know it's there, but I just go into this autopilot. of just get out of the gym. It's like, it's almost like a split personality where there's like two parts of me that are talking, the one that doesn't want to do the thing. And the one that's like, I don't give a shit if you don't do the thing. You're going to go in and warm up, and then i I always take I'll take a longer warm up. So I'm like, cool. I'm going to just ease into my body. I might put a certain music on, or even a podcast. I actually find words more motivating than music. If I put someone really motivating on, I'm like,
0: so you just put the Coach Mark our podcast on, and exactly when I put the Coach go. Mark podcast,
1: yeah, that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, I got to get in there. But I I literally I'm like, okay, I understand. I feel that way. That's cool but let's, let's just go and see how it feels. And so I don't beat myself with, I don't punish myself to the gym. I, I, I I actually have a little bit of compassion when like, okay, I understand that you feel that way. I I can hear what you're saying, but let's just go in. Let's just go in and see how it feels. If it's like, I physically am beaten up. I'm not going to go to the gym. I think that's different between there's a difference between being so beaten up and not training versus you have to go and do things, especially when it comes to comp prep, like you're going to be tired. You're going to be hungry. But there's a job to do, and you, and that's the purpose of a comp prep, right? So you almost got to be a soldier. And I just, I take <clears throat> longer warm ups. So I'll do more warm up sets than normal with smaller jumps, because the repetition for me will arouse my nervous system a little bit more. So I understand. Okay, I'm going to be in the in the gym for like an extra half an hour because I'm giving myself a little bit more time to warm up, and then it's like, okay, one rep at a time. I always have mindset hacks for myself. It's like one rep at a time, it's not 15 reps. It's one rep, 15 times, one, one, one. A few weeks ago when I was training for the show, I was like, I'm a champion. Every rep, I'm a champion. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. Like I, I needed to, I needed to find a way to dig harder than the week before. Cause I was so, I knew I was tired, but I was like, I can't walk away from this. Knowing that I could have done more. Like, I understand it's going to be, and the, and a part of this is like self-coaching, Mark, you know, something we talked about earlier is like effort. And we talk about technique and effort, but it's like, we need to be able to self-coach and go, well, how do I make the most out of myself today? Like, I get it. It's going to be hard. Not every training session feels great, but, and the thing is like consistency doesn't always drive success, but not being consistent certainly won't get any success at all. Actually hard work is the bare minimum. Like discipline is an entry form, you know, to success. Doing a thing that we said we would do. And that means showing up when it's hard. And so how are you going to do that? Find ways to nurture, but also keep you doing the thing that you said you would do. So we don't beat ourselves up with it. Like I don't punish myself to do training sessions. I coach myself to do training sessions. And I think that's different.
0: question I actually had for the end, but I think it leads into well is is the fact, oh, the way I often kind of look at anyone who's, you know, great. What they do in life is just from doing it for a long period of time. You do it, keep yeah. doing, keep doing You you're bound to be okay at at it. And, you know, for kind of you, it's that, that training longevity. And I'm yeah. sure you see a lot of times, you know, you've had clients, they do amazing things in eight, 12 weeks, they get, get in great shape and then they drop off and drop off and, you know, and, you know, you see, likewise, you see people who train all the time and they don't really get any, ever really get any better, but for you, like. From a standpoint of like longevity, what do you think has been kind of the catalyst for you to obviously compete for years and keep going at it? And, you know, I'm I'm a big believer. I kind of say to like to say to clients, like the power of just like enjoying the journey. Yes, you mm. want those big results, but in the end, like it's this ever continuing kind of journey with your physique, even when you, you know, we get older and stuff like that, we might not be trained for the same goals, but like, for you, what's kind of been the kind of the driving factor for you to just keep doing what you're doing at such a high level? I love what I do. There you go.
1: I love what I do. I love training. I love training hard. I love outperforming myself. I, and, and I got this honestly from anorexia. I love my body. I'm so grateful for this, this amazing thing that I get to do life in. Like, and I don't think I I don't think I would have had the same appreciation for my body without, you know, taking it to hell and back. Like I think to myself, gosh, you've done so much for me. Thank you so much. I've really put you through the ringer and, and I want to be able to use it for as long as I can. And something that I've learned, you know, being in my mid thirties, I can't do what I did when I was 20. So I have to train smart and hard. I do way less training now than what I did before. But the thing is I kind of had to earn the right to do that. Right. So I did a lot more volume and a lot more intensity in my 20s because I could. And that, you know, doing that for 10 years built the base of the physique that I have now. Now it's like, okay, now we optimize recovery. Now we like, there are certain exercises I can't do at the moment. So we go, well, what's the other avenues? And it's actually opened up different ways of training. Um, Because as we get older, like our joints can't take the same load and the same impact. So it's like, well, how do we keep doing the things that we love? Um, But a big piece of it, honestly, Mark is really just loving my my body in the way that, like it frustrates me from time to time, but I really can train it to do anything. I really can. And that goes down, it all starts with the mind, right? And then I think, okay, you know, a lot of the behaviors that used to drive why I trained, they don't serve me anymore. So something that we talked about before this call was a lot of women, they train all the time because they don't like how they don't, they don't like how they feel when they don't train. And that was me. Seven days a week, twice a day. I didn't get better results. I had worse results. I was fucking exhausted as well. But I told myself I love training, but that's untrue. I didn't like how it didn't feel when I didn't train. Now I, I, I train four days a week. I rest three. And I train with such intensity on those days that I train that I, I love my rest day. I need it. I need my rest day.
0: Do you ever um get any sense of thoughts of, all right, in a couple of years' time, whenever you eventually finish competing, like what your life kind of would look like, because I'm sure, obviously, you like winning. So having that mm-hmm. big goal to train towards, and obviously that's a pretty clear thing of, hey, I'm training towards something. It's holding you accountable, getting you in the gym, and pushing you to the whole new level. Mm-hmm. But you know, once that kind of, all right, I'm not competing anymore. Like, how do you kind of see yourself finding that sense of winning and and loving kind of what you do? Um, obviously, yes, you love training, but like mm-hmm. finding that, you know, to push so hard obviously is for a Mm -hmm. reason. Like, do you ever feel like, Oh, what, what would be next eventually when you get to that stage?
1: I think it'll be finding other ways to win. You know, I would never stop training. Um, You know, there are parts of me that are looking forward to not having to go so extreme actually. So, you know, after a show I've got to go, if I want to improve my physique, I've got to go into a build. So you literally go from like one extreme to the other extreme like I, I, I said this to Coben, like I really barely spend any time in a middle ground. My body's like oh, big, then it's small, And so there are parts of me after competing, I just want to be able to stay in the state Like I'm probably just going to maintain and I'll find ways of just training. I, I'm always going to have a coach. So they're going to stimulate me with, you know, different training. I'll be so happy to explore different training protocols and overloads and techniques, just for the fact that I want to, get, I want to explain, I want to explain, um explore something um and yeah parts of me are really looking forward to actually just having being in a maintenance phase but for now while i'm competing i'm actually using as a catalyst to build the body that i want to live in after i finish competing you know so i want to build the muscle that yeah i'm going to want to you know i want to have big glutes when i stop competing i just want to have a big ass you know i want to you know And I won't have to diet extremely and I wouldn't have to, I won't have to do an extreme build, but everything I'm doing now is building that body. And it's the same thing with girls, like a lot of them use competing to build their bodies. And that's, you know, that's one way of doing it, but it doesn't have to be the only way. If you're a lifestyle client you want to build your body, let me tell you, you're doing the same process that a physique competitor is doing. You just don't have this, you don't have the extreme side of it and you don't have an end date when you look at building your physique look at it build, look at it building your physique for life because after the show don't you want to still have the habits and the behaviors it's never the it's never the goal that that gives us what we want it's the process it's the skill development it's the habits and the behaviors it's the character that we build along the way so i always say the same process like i'm process driven even if i didn't compete i'm still going to track my nutrition I'm still going to train. I'm still going to look at my sleep. I'm still going to do all of the things. It doesn't change for me. And that's what's allowed me, Mark, to be able to get incredibly conditioned. And then like, I'm reversing now and I'm sweet. I'm not high and low. I'm not binging. I'm like, cool. I've been doing this process for 10 years. So that's just because what I do, it's just my self-care. It's just what I do. What I can do though, is I can really ramp things up. Like I can really shift gears versus being like, I'm just gonna be a car crash after the show, which is what a lot of people do because they're so driven on the goal versus how do I continue this process after? What can you know this the, do for me?
0: You know, the term like the post comp blues and and mm. and I often I'm sure you see it a lot, you know, mm. you have if you have clients and they're dying for shows and they're like, the week or two weeks out they're posting all the cheat meals they want to have post-comp and they're posting all the food I'm gonna have this I'm gonna have that I'm gonna have this and it's like uh you're not gonna probably have the the best few weeks post-comp and stuff mm-hmm. like that where they're just desperate it's like the job's done I've achieved everything and then yeah. yeah I know it's just that mindset and then they get that kind of negative kind of mindset and you know all of a sudden they put on five six kilos in a week or two mm-hmm. and it's like oh shit what have I done and yeah but that's I think as, as you said kind of the power of having big goals, but also I feel like the goals kind of never end. It's like, Oh, that's, that's one, like, you know, level done. And then there's always another mountain to
1: climb, right. But but in order to get to the the highest mountain, you have to climb, you have to climb the smallest ones first. And how do you climb the small ones? One step at a time. How do you climb the biggest ones? One step at a time. You know, it's, I always use this analogy of the, the monk. Someone asked the monk, how did you reach enlightenment? I chopped wood, carry water. How did you maintain enlightenment? I chopped wood, carried water the same process that gives us happiness or our dream body is the same process that's going to maintain it to keep it there. Right. It's just that the only thing that changes is the volume in which you do it in. Right. So this is what it's like, if you stay process driven, it doesn't, you can, you can apply that to any goal. It's not on, off, on, off. It's chop wood, carry water. Right. So tracking your nutrition isn't just for bodybuilders. And you know, some people say it's obsessive. And I'm like, well, it's the intent that drives whether it's obsessive or not. Because I'm not obsessed about it. I just do it like tax-free in my mind. (laughs) It's just something that I do because I understand the reward it gives me on the other end. It's just like when you save money. If you didn't save money, how are you going to do it? It's like there's so many different analogies that you can use in life that you can use with your body and your habits and your behaviors. Just depends on what you want and the intent behind why you're doing what you're doing and it's funny because yeah and and yeah that I'm a really big believer in like the relationship that we have with ourselves sets a relationship that we have with food right and our processes and our behaviors and it it is it's like it's an it's doom and gloom for the for people that are on this rigid meal plans that don't know how to eat out that they their coaches put them on the same food every single day leading into the show like they, have, they don't know how to make informed decisions. They don't know how to integrate social occasions because they didn't have the opportunity to practice while they were in the process of leading them into the show, which is really dangerous for a lot of people because you can't live on a meal plan and then you've got no knowledge and application either. And that's and then, what's bad.
0: That, that ability to you know deviate when something doesn't go perfectly mm. on your meal plan is like, oh my God.
1: I don't yeah. know what to do.
0: So therefore I'm just going to eat terribly because I don't know what to do. And yeah, the whole, yeah. I was talking to Jake campus recently about the meal plans and, you know, they actually have a place, you know, for people at times and, you know, They're they can be place. great for adherence and getting momentum, but ultimately we were both kind of saying that, you know, the goal is to you know get them off it or at least kind of have that ability to be able to deviate from it. Um, mm. The question I wanted to finish with today, and we kind of chatted a little bit earlier about it, um, especially since we're just kind of talking about you know loving what you do of training and training longevity is around um, breast surgery or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it the technical term I'm not um, <laughs> breast augmentation augmentation yeah there's that, one that yeah um, so I'm sure women who follow you, you no know, I think was it last year you had your surgery two years ago two years geez time flies
1: I know they're two years yeah. old they're coming yeah. up to two years old in October no November. Happy birthday, birthday, girls. Woo.
0: Um, <laughs> something I get, you know, I train so many women and you do as well, is hey, what how do I train um post surgery? You know, it's, it's so it's everywhere these days, especially, you know, it's very rare almost, I feel like, for a lot of fitness competitors not to kind of have had had surgery or wanting to have surgery at some stage, it it seems from all the questions I get. And I think the big thing is obviously we're not trying to kind of say there's a one size fits all approach and you you'll mm. get obviously doctor's advice, which sometimes it feels like the question that I get asked is the medical advice is always a bit, you know, weak or doesn't tell you too much. Mm. Um, So I want, I just want to ask you for, and I know all the women out there would love to hear this is kind of like for you, like psychologically, how did you kind of combat kind of the initial kind of healing process and for you, kind of what was your kind of steps? And these steps are not saying, everyone go do this. I'm just curious kind of like how you kind of combated that kind of period.
1: Look, I get the same questions all the time from girls that are about to get their um, their breasts done. And they always ask me, you know, what do you do? Like, do I have any advice? And the thing is, the first advice is always listen to your doctor. <laughs> the second advice is that, you know, everyone's so scared they're going to lose their gains. You're not going to lose your gains, right? This, if you think about it, this is probably the only time in in your life, in your year that you're taking time off training. Everything's going to be there when you get back. Okay. So it's, it's always a psychological thing for, for females. Now, when I got my boobs done, um, I didn't go under the muscle. I went over the muscle under the fascia. And that's because the doctor said to me, you do so much heavy lifting, you're going to run the risk of capsulating the muscle, the, the breast implant. He's like, I, I don't think that's a good um, option for you. So because I didn't go under the muscle and I went over the muscle under the fascia, I only had four weeks off from training, right? So he actually said to me, you can go do lower body but you can't do upper body for four weeks. And he said, the reason I want you to go do light upper body or jump on the bike is because the blood flow will actually help send more nutrients to the area to recover. But there was guidelines within that. Like I couldn't have my heart rate over a certain amount. And obviously it wasn't something I did every day, but something that I really did own in on was my nutrition, right? So when we've got two things that drive body composition, whether it's input and output, when one's taken away, we focus on the other one, which means that, We need to focus on nutrition. So one of the best things that you can do while you're in recovery, ladies, is eat at maintenance, not a deficit because your body has to recover and it's under a lot of stress. Don't eat at a surplus because that's the thing that you're trying to not do. So, and, and again, finding your maintenance is going to be, you know, a trial and error. You might start on the lower side, but when we talk about process and behaviors, track your nutrition eat your four four meals a day or with protein, have high protein, hit your micronutrients. There's, if you're trying to control something and have an outcome, control one thing that you can fully control, your food. Then once you get the clearance from your doctors, you're obviously going to go really light for your upper body, but even go light for your lower body because you don't want to be so sore that you then can't train. Like you just had three months away from the gym, you're probably going to do some light walking, which is probably fine. Um, but when you come back to the gym, like, go in like a beginner with a beginner mindset, less volume, less intensity, because you're, you're, like I said, your goal, your gains haven't gone anywhere. They're just, Your muscles just shrunk a little bit because they haven't been trained. But actually, you if you maintain your body composition really well, and you're really good with your habits and your, and your nutrition, just imagine how great your body composition is going to be when you start training. Because you've got the hardest bit down pat. You've got the nutrition down pat. Same thing when you get sick. It's not, oh, I'm sick, so I eat whatever the fuck I want. That's what drives you to feel like shit like on a psychological level. Nail your nutrition. Process-driven. Say it over and over and over again.
0: It's funny. It's it's one of those things like it's fantastic that people love to train, but then Mm. it's also important to understand again that from that longevity standpoint that life happens, not everything's going to be perfect. And, you know, anytime you kind of look at anyone who's, anyone I've trained over the years who's got great results every week is not perfect way every, every mm. day you know they have even bad months and stuff like that and and just on the kind of not training you know like even the research shows like you barely lose very much muscle at mm. all from even months off and then because you've already built that muscle that muscle memory you're it's always always much easier to build muscle that's already been there yeah. and build muscle that you have never had so yeah. yeah so but I just wanted to kind of get that um, out there. Cause I just know, you know, so many um messages I get. It's just, it's like mm. doom and gloom. It's like, Oh, these four weeks or six weeks or whatever it is, the period it is, it's Twelve. like, what am I going to do? You know, well, it,
1: Twelve. In the grand six scheme of things, it's wrestle. like,
0: you know, like, and if you think of all the other women out there, you know, who've had, had it and you know, they're on Olympia stage or WF champions or whatever, if they've had it and they're at where they are right now, then it's Nothing's probably going probably anywhere. In the
1: world. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So with that, um, I think that was that was a long episode for me. I I normally keep them short, and I talk to myself. So like, <laughs> well, how can I end this? But where? obviously, I know people know where to find you, but anything um anything you you are kind of um wanting to let the audience know about or where can everyone find you? I'm um, going forward. I know you spoke a little bit about YouTube earlier before we came on, just for the audience to know.
1: Yeah. So YouTube is up and running. It's actually under Flex Method and it's, um, there's actually a prep series up at the moment, which is really exciting. Uh, that's where I'm going to be posting a lot of like, uh, educational content as well. Um, got some really big projects, very exciting projects coming up, uh, in January, but we're going to start the rollout, um, actually next month. So stay tuned for that. And then, um, if you guys look, I literally, pretty much speak to every single person that messages me unless they're males, <laughs> but every female, if you're messaging me, like I pretty much get back to all of you. So if you have any questions for me, like um, you're more than welcome to message me. Um, yeah. Like I said, I pretty much get back to everyone. I'm not a bot on my social media. So um, you can find me on Hattie Boydell on Instagram.
0: Amazing. Well, in all honesty, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. You know, it's a, I appreciate that you actually helped me get make this happen and you know, Got got, got it because, uh, you know, it's been something I've wanted to for a very, very long time. And I know everyone out there will really appreciate it. If they're not already following you, please go follow Hattie. She's amazing. And yeah, so exciting times, I think, in the future for you as well next year. So big things ahead. And as I said, as well, go check out um, your YouTube also. YouTube again, Hattie? Flex.
1: Then the Flex Method.
0: Got it. Well, there you go, guys. Well, Hattie, thank you so much. I'm sure the audience will appreciate it and I do as well.
1: Thanks, guys.